And happy Mother's Day. It is good to see all of you and all of you mothers and um, all of you children. Today we have an interesting lesson. We're going to learn about some bad moms. You say, why would you do that on Mother's Day? Well, you'll find out. So before we begin, let's pray together. Our great God, we come to you this morning so thankful that you are righteous, that you are good, that you are faithful, that you are merciful and gracious. Lord, as we open your word this morning and hear of how you deal with people in different generations, Lord, may we consider ourselves and consider where we have come from. And Lord, I pray that each one of us here this morning might love you, love you with all of our hearts, minds, and soul. We need you today, and we pray that you would teach us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, take your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Now, a few weeks ago, I asked you if you recognized a different chapter that I gave. When I say Exodus chapter 20, how many of you immediately can think of something in Exodus 20? Oh, good, good. None of my kids can think of anything in Exodus 20? Really? Think about it for just a moment. All you didn't raise your hands. Do you know anything in Exodus chapter 20? When I tell you, you're going to be all embarrassed if you can't think of it. Can you think of it? It has to do with the number 10. Now, can you think of it? What is it? The Ten Commandments. You knew that, didn't you? Kind of, sort of. Yes, Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. So whenever you hear, ever, or think of, or want to find the Ten Commandments, just double the ten. Exodus chapter 20. Or you can split it in half and go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. You'll find it in both places. You just split it in half or double it, and you'll find the Ten Commandments. Well, in the Ten Commandments, there is a, there, there's, a, there's some detail given that isn't a commandment. You know, that's interesting. There's actually quite a bit of detail given in the Ten Commandments that aren't exactly commandments. Let's read the Ten Commandments, beginning in verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Oftentimes when we quote the Ten Commandments, we leave that verse off, don't we? You know, that verse is actually really important. Because if we don't know who's giving the commandments, we're in big trouble. God, the one true God, the Lord God, is giving these commandments. Verse 3, thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbors. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. You see, as these Ten Commandments were proclaimed the first time, it was at Mount Sinai. And the mountain was like a furnace of fire and there was an earthquake and there were lightnings and thunderings and the sound of a great trumpet and the voice of God. The people were terrified. They were terrified. Comparing Scripture with Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 5 and Exodus 20, the whole story we didn't have time to go into this morning because we're going to look at a different part of it. But they said to the Lord, all that you have said, we will do, didn't they? We will do. But they actually had a really hard time with it, didn't they? Let's look at one little part of this Ten Commandments and let's think about it. Go back with me to the early ones about God. God says he's the Lord, their God. He says they're to have no other gods before him. He goes on to say that they're not to make any graven image, no idols. No, not of anything. And they're not to bow down to such idols or to any other God. 
And then he makes this statement in the middle of verse 5. He says, For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Do you know what that means? Now, sometimes when we use the word jealous, we think of it as a bad thing. And when it's like envy, when we want something that's not ours, it's like coveting. But there's a good kind of jealousy. It's the kind of jealousy that a wife has for her husband. He's hers. He's no other woman's. And she is jealous that no one else tries to take him away from her. That's a good kind of jealousy. And the same is true for God. God says, you are my people. I am your God. And no other God's going to get between us. He says, I'm a jealous God. I want us just for each other. There's not room for anyone else. Does that make sense? Is that a good kind of jealousy? You think it's a good thing that your mom and dad are jealous for each other? And that there's not another man or another woman meddling in that relationship or causing trouble in that relationship? The same is true in our relationship with God. He is a jealous God. Not only is he a jealous God, but he is also a righteous God and a God who executes justice. Now, those are some big words for kids, aren't they? Execute means that he does something. Justice means that he does what is right, even if it is punishment or discipline. So God, he executes justice, means that he does what is right to reward what is right and to punish what is wrong. He is righteous and just. And it says here, after God says he is a jealous God, he says that he is visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto, upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now, what do you think that means when it says that God visits the iniquity? I wonder, how many of you have memorized all over part of the Ten Commandments? How many of you? Okay. So, have you ever thought about what these words mean? God visiting iniquity? Well, what's iniquity? Well, iniquity is a lot like sin. It's what makes sin so sinful. It's wickedness. It's the things that we do, the things that we think, the things that we say, and all what's on the inside that brings that all on the outside that's bad. So there's iniquity is what is bad. Iniquity would be having other gods. Iniquity would be stealing, but not just doing these things, or not doing these things, but what's on the inside that makes us do them. So iniquity is a really ugly word, isn't it? It's really an ugly word. It's, it's an ugly thing. So what's it mean that God visits the iniquity? Well, when you go visit someone, what do you do? 
Hmm? William, when you go visit somebody, what do you do? You go to them, right? Have I ever visited you at your house? I've never been to your house. Have I ever visited your house? Now, do you think this is talking about the same kind of visit? I've, I've visited some of you at your house. Do you think this is the same kind of visit? I'm going to explain something to you. Now, listen up. Because this isn't just in the Ten Commandments. What I'm about to explain to you appears all through the Bible. Even Jesus used it. Jesus spoke to the nation of Israel, and he said, if you had only known the time of your visitation. Huh? What's that mean? Well, he's talking about this, the visiting of iniquity. Do you know what this visit is for? It's not because you had a new baby and he's bringing gifts or a meal. How many of you have ever been somewhere to visit somebody and bring them a meal after they had a baby? Yep. Those are fun visits, aren't they? That's not this kind of visit. How many of you have ever visited somebody because there was a graduation party? Are those great visits? So you visit somebody because it's a party, a celebration. Mm-mm. That's not this kind of visitation. This visit is a visit from God. Are you ready? It's not to celebrate. It's not to give good gifts. It's to punish. How many of you want to visit like that? Oh, no hands? Yeah, me neither. I don't want that kind of a visit. Do I want a visit to be punished? No. No. Many times in the Bible you'll hear about the Lord visiting someone. And many times, I can't say exclusively because I haven't gone through them all yet, at least not recently, it is in judgment. It is to punish iniquity, to punish wickedness. It's not very pleasant. Do you see this? God says, I am a jealous God, and I am going to be visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. <laughs> Visiting them to punish them. Now there's another truth you need to know about. And that is, in this very same law, God said that the children were not to die for the sins of their father. And the fathers were not to die for the sins of their children. That means that if your father is King Ahab, and King Ahab goes and murders Naboth, Ahab deserves to be visited with punishment, not you. But if you choose to go do great wickedness, 
and to continue to kill innocent people just like your father, then you deserve to be visited for your iniquity because your iniquity is really the result of you hating God. But you know what happens oftentimes? Sons and daughters behave a lot like moms and dads, don't they? It really is true, which is a really big reason why us as parents need to walk humbly with our God so to teach our children that they too walk humbly with their God. So often children do the same things as their fathers. Generation after generation after generation. And God says he will visit the iniquity of the children upon the third and fourth generation. And don't miss this last phrase. Of them that hate me. Why do I say not to miss that last phrase? Well, don't miss that last phrase and the whole next verse. Because although it is normal for children to behave like their mother and fathers, it's not right when it's not right. And it doesn't have to be that way. Let's go forward in history. Do you remember Omri? You see Omri up there, the first green bar? Omri. What did we learn about Omri? Omri. He was worse than all of them before him. Now, he was a new dynasty. And even as a king, he was worse than all of them before them. And I don't know anything about Omri's physical father. But Omri, Omri was a wicked king. Now look here. What's normal would be for Ahab, his son, to follow in the footsteps of his father, right? But does he have to? No, he doesn't have to. Omri hates God. Does Ahab have to hate God? No, Omri doesn't have to hate God, or Ahab doesn't have to hate God. You see, let's come back to Exodus 20 and look at verse 6. God says that he's going to visit the iniquities of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation. Well, we've got Omri, Ahab, Ahaziah, and Joram is his brother. So that's three generations. And um, the fourth generation is actually the blue bar down at the bottom, Joash. Do you know that? Did you know that? The fourth generation of this wicked dynasty actually blends with the Judah dynasty, the Davidic dynasty. It mixes. And that fourth generation is Joash. So we have Omri, worse than all before him. Ahab comes along. Does Ahab have to continue hating God? Yes or no? No, Ahab doesn't have to keep hating God. He doesn't have to follow the way of his father. 
He could obey God. He could love God. In fact, if he did, look at what verse 6 says. For God says, he will also, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Ahab could be one of those thousand. The thousands. He could be one of the thousands who love God and keep his commandments. He doesn't have to be like Omri. So how about it? Is Ahab like his father in hating God? Or has Ahab break the generational curse of Omri and love God and, and keep his commandments and receive mercy? Which was it? Which did Ahab do? Did he love God or hate God? He hated God. Did he keep God's commandments or not keep God's commandments? He did not keep his commandments. And is it any wonder that God visited the iniquity of Ahab? Ahab was judged. And by the way, it's not over yet. Not this week, but coming up. You see the green line End the visiting of the fathers upon the third and fourth generation of them that hate me is fulfilled in Omri's family. Ahab could have loved God and kept his commandments and, you know what? Would have received mercy. None of us are perfect. Even Ahab wouldn't have been perfect. But he could have turned in faith and trust to the one true God, humbled himself before him and received mercy. But he didn't. Instead, he too hated God and kept on sinning. Now, Ahab had a wife, didn't he? What was her name? Jezebel. You guys know her. Ooh, was she a good lady or a bad lady? Oh, even Naomi knows that one. She was a bad lady. Would you like Jezebel to be your mommy? Ooh, how many of you want Jezebel to be your mommy? You don't either. You don't like that idea? No, I don't like that idea. Jezebel being your mommy? Jezebel was a wicked, 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 wicked woman. And we think of her as that wicked, evil queen. But did you know she was also a mother? Did Jezebel have to be a wicked queen? You know, we're expecting a baby here in about a month. And we've been talking about names. And one of my children that shall remain nameless suggested because we don't know if it's a boy or a girl, that we name the baby Jezebel David. How many of you like that name? Now, we haven't figured out the logic behind it yet. But you're all laughing because we think it's a crazy idea. Do you think it's a crazy idea, Naomi? Yeah, it's a crazy idea. 
That's why she jokingly said it. It's a crazy idea. We would never think of naming our child Jezebel. But just imagine if you were actually Jezebel's daughter or son. And she taught you to worship Baal. She taught you to go to the prophets of Baal for advice. She showed you how to manipulate your husband, how to manipulate the government. She showed you how to murder innocent people. How would you like to have a mother like that? I wouldn't want to have a mother like that. I don't think any of us would like to have a mother like that. Jezebel deserves to have the, the visitation of God upon her iniquity. And by the way, it's coming up. It's coming up. But actually, right now, even in our current history, she's just doing fine. Still alive, even though Ahab is long dead. But tell me, she had some children. Why? She had Ahaziah and Joram. You see him up there? Ahaziah and Joram. She also had a daughter named Athaliah. <sighs> Athaliah. She, she could be one of the thousands who love God and keep his commandments and receive God's mercy. Right? Athaliah could be one of the thousands, right? Wouldn't that be awesome? If Athaliah is one of the thousands who loves God and keeps his commandments and does not follow in the way of her mother Jezebel or her father Ahab. Oh, how about Ahaziah and Joram? They too, they too could break the bondage of the generational wickedness of their family and they too could love God and keep his commandments. They too could receive mercy. But did they? Oh. Ahaziah hated God. His brother Joram hated God. Their sister Athaliah hated God. It's so sad. It's interesting, though, because Ahaziah... And Joram, well, Ahaziah kind of had an interesting um, religion because he didn't actually worship Baal. Do you remember that? Do you know who Ahaziah worshipped? Do you know? Jehovah. Do you know that? He worshipped Jehovah. Or did he? Because you remember this history? Oh, he worshipped some golden calves named, that he named, Jehovah. That's what he did. He did not worship Baal like his mother and father. Instead, he worshiped Jehovah. But the problem was, it wasn't the Jehovah in, Genesis, in Exodus 22. He did not worship the Jehovah who said in Exodus 22, I am the Lord thy God. 
which hath brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is under the other is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down themselves to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. And then goes on to talk about visiting the iniquity and also showing mercy. All the way back, within 40 days, within 40 days of God giving this commandment, Aaron, Moses' own brother, collected gold from the people and he fashioned it into Something that is on the earth beneath a graven image of a calf, a cow. And do you know what Aaron actually said to the people? This is the God that brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. That was within 40 days of this. Is it any surprise and wonder that Jeroboam the first, you see the guy in red at the very beginning of our timeline at the top? set up two golden calves. And do you know what he said? He said to all of the people, these be the gods that brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. You know what they're doing? They're mocking God's commands in Exodus chapter 20. They're mocking it in direct disobedience. They're hating God. And by the time of Omri and Ahab, particularly Ahab, ah, Jeroboam, yeah, that's kind of um, dishonest. So we're just going to be raw in our idolatry and worship Baal. But then, hey, Hezekiah says, oh, no, 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 we're not going to worship Baal. We're going to go back to the golden calves and still call the golden calves Jehovah. Oh, Ahaziah hated God and did not keep his commandments. God visited the iniquity of the fathers that became the iniquity of the son to the second generation. The third generation wasn't much better. Do you hear about that? I mean, what did? Joram's no. not much better. The iniquity visited. We're going to learn about that in the coming few weeks, upon this third, same second generation still. Ooh. But how about Athaliah? Hmm. Did you know that many, many, many times um, girls are more sensitive to spiritual things? I'm stereotyping, I know. So maybe Athaliah turned out, right? Or did she? We don't hear a lot about Athaliah, do we? Well, but you see, she appears down in Judah as a queen. You know how she became a queen? She was married to Jehoram. So do you see Jehoram in the blue there? Do you see Jehoram? We've got Jehoram. Athaliah and Jehoram were married. Jehoshaphat, actually a godly king, sadly, married his son Joram to the daughter of Ahab, for who knows what reason. So, maybe, 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 maybe Athaliah was good because a godly king married his son to her, right? (sighs) 
Athaliah also hates God and does not keep his commandments. Not only does she hate God and not keep his commandments, Satan works through her to try to destroy the seed of David. I'm going to tell you ahead of the story. Can I do that? When her son Jehoram, I'm sorry, when her husband Jehoram dies, Ahaziah becomes king. Ahaziah, you notice here, there's an end here. Ahaziah dies very closely to Joram in the revolution of Jehu. And when Ahaziah dies, Athaliah massacres, murders, all the seed royal of her husband. She kills everyone in the family, all the way down to the infants. I'm going to tell you ahead of the story. Among the slaughtered, they had thought they had murdered a little baby boy. But it tells us that a woman found among the dead, Joash, a little baby boy, who apparently was thought to be dead. Who was this woman who found that little baby boy? She was the daughter of Jehoram. Now, we don't know if Jehoram had multiple wives, and considering his contemporaries, he probably did. But we don't know. We only have record of one wife, and knowing how jealous she is, he probably only had one. I don't know. Athaliah. Well, Athaliah had a daughter then, presumably, at least a stepdaughter, who was named Yahashava. You ever heard of her? Well, you maybe have. You know the story of Joash. It's Joash's aunt. Ahaziah's sister, Jehoram's daughter, and presumably Athaliah's daughter. Now, follow this. Omri, worse than all of his fathers, hates God, does not keep his commandments. Ahab, worse than Omri, hates God, does not keep his commandments. He's married to Jezebel. Ahaziah, Hates God, does not keep his commandments. Joram hates God, does not keep his commandments. Athaliah hates God, does not keep his commandments, and in fact murders the royal seed of David. And yet Athaliah has a daughter, Jehoshaphat. Hmm. 
does she hate God and keep his command and not keep his commandments? What do you think? We don't know very much about this lady. We don't know very much, but we know a little bit about her. We meet her in 2 Kings chapter 11, right after Athaliah massacres the seed royal, the royal seed, the royal family of David. When she finds among the dead little baby Joash and takes him, finds a nurse, and hides him away in a bedchamber, perhaps her very own. And something else is interesting about her. That's about all we know about her, except one other detail. She was married to the high priest in Israel, Jerusalem, the place where the real and true worship of Jehovah is still taking place. And as we keep reading, we don't hear about her or know anything more about her. But we know a lot about her husband. And we begin to learn a lot about Joash. Did you know that all of the days of Joash, also, well, I should say, all of the days during Jehoiada, who was, you see the black line, the high priest in Jerusalem, all of the days of Jehoiada, that's who Jehoshaphat was married to. So Athaliah and Joram had Ahaziah as a son, and Joash was a grandson, but they also had a daughter who was married to the high priest. We're going to find out the rest of the story here as we keep going. But that high priest is a godly man and is instrumental in guiding and teaching Joash. And we find out that all the days of Jehoiada, Joash serves God faithfully. He keeps his commandments. It's subject to debate as to whether or not he loved God. But he at least kept God's commandments during the high priest um, time of Jehoiada. You know what? I don't know this for sure. But I tend to think that that daughter of Joram and presumably Athaliah in that fourth generation is one who found verse 6 in Exodus 20. She won who received mercy. She among the thousands of them that loved God and kept his commandments. I make this with a little bit of speculation considering who her husband was and considering how they together taught Joash. You see a break in it? You see, this is important. God will judge. And there are sins that are passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. But when we see the sins in our fathers and the sins in our mothers, 
we do not have to just say, oh, well, that's the way I was raised. It doesn't matter if you were raised by Jezebel. God is there ready to show mercy to the thousands of them that love him and keep his commandments. Yes, sir. Why would we not? Well, for me, the typical reason is that names carry namesake, and we want our children to be like their namesake, or like at least the meaning of their names. And in the case of Jezebel, <laughs> she's wicked, and she's used her name is actually used as wickedness all throughout the Bible, climaxing in the book of Revelation. Um, but also, her name falters on my mind, but actually means a praise to Baal, Jezebel. And so her name meaning, and I'm big on name meanings if you know me, name meaning is all crazy. Do you have another thought? Oh, that's very, very true. Yeah. Break from it. Break from it. So when you hear the name Jezebel, you could, you, I wouldn't name my kid Jezebel, but uh, <laughs> when you hear the name Jezebel, remember Jezebel's children, they didn't have to be like Jezebel. Though of the family of Jezebel, they don't have to be. And even if your parents name you Jezebel, and I actually know someone named Jezebel, um, doesn't, and that person isn't like the, real Jezebel, the original Jezebel, don't have to be like that. You don't have to be like Jezebel. You can be one of these thousands. So what was the full story Joshua? I don't know. I tend to think. I wish. She's among the thousands. I think we have good reasons to believe she was. Who received mercy? Because she loved God and kept his commandments. So, I don't know where all of you are, I don't think any of us in this room, but I might mistake, have any mothers like Jezebel. Do you? No. He didn't even have to think about it. No. But when we do see failures in our parents, do we see them in ourselves? As a parent, I've been horrified to see my sins manifested in my children. Kids, Naomi, Faith, Elijah, don't copy me. Just because daddy does things wrong doesn't mean you should or could. You don't have to. You can love God and keep his commandments and receive his mercy. And that's true for all of us. Nothing wrong with identifying it either. Sometimes it's helpful for us to recognize the sins in our fathers, our mothers, our grandparents, so that we can Put them before Jesus Christ and say, I don't want to continue this. 
I want to instead love you and keep your commandments and receive the mercy. When you read this in the Ten Commandments, recognize indeed, verse 5, that God is righteous and he does visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation. Don't miss this phrase, of them that hate me. He's not taking the sins of the fathers and punishing you for it. Yes, you may inherit the weaknesses. You may inherit the culture, the sins of your fathers in that sense. But you have a choice to keep hating God. Or maybe you love God, but yet you won't deal with what you know is the sins of your fathers. Is that really loving God? Recognize it. Give it to the Lord and ask him to give you mercy. Some people may read this and they may get to the end of verse 5 or in the middle of verse 5 and just shut down. Don't do that. Keep reading into verse 6. And when you fret or fear or commit the sins of your father, recognize verse 5 but run to verse 6. That makes sense? Run to verse 6. Be one of the thousands. Be one of the thousands. Love God. Love God. Keep his commandments. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for this history. Lord, indeed, we know that you visit iniquity. You are a righteous God. And there is a judgment for iniquity, for sin. In some senses, we all continue, even many generations from Adam, to experience the visitation of iniquity for the wages of sin is death, both in the original sin of Adam and Eve and in our own and personal sin. Lord Jesus, may we never excuse ourselves because that's the way we were raised or taught. That was the example we were given or that's what we got from mom or dad. But may we all humble ourselves before you, love you, keep your commandments, and receive your mercy. Lord Jesus, you died on the cross to remove the wrath of God from our sins. I pray for each one here this morning that today everyone would believe in you and be saved from the lake of fire, that great day of visitation. Lord Jesus, I pray for our children, that they all would believe in you, trust in you, and find salvation, and that they would not continue in our sins that they've seen, that they perhaps thought is normal, Lord, deliver them from them. And may they find hope 
joy and peace as they walk humbly with you throughout their lives. Lord Jesus, we commit ourselves to you. We commit our children to you. We commit our parents to you. Lord Jesus, you are good. You are the one who set the perfect example. May we follow in you every single day. We praise you and thank you for your mercy, a mercy we don't deserve. Thank you, Father. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen.